Thanks to Grammarly for supporting MarketFoolery. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake-free, clear, and effective. You can start writing confidently by going to Grammarly.com fool and get 20% off a Grammarly Premium account today. It's Monday, May 6th. Welcome to Market Forward. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Jason Moser in the house. Thanks for being here. Hello. We're going to dip into the full mailbag. Let's start with the Berkshire Hathaway meeting, which, which always gives us a couple of headlines coming out of the meeting. <laughs> have you ever been? I've never been. I, I have. Yeah, I went, I think it was just once I went. Um, and, and so, of course, when you go, with us, I mean, you get to go. You have the press badge, and you sit up in the top, and you get spoiled with the lunch, and everything's easy. And so that I was like, "There's no way I'm topping that experience ever." So there's no way I'm going all the way out to Omaha just to wait in line to hear some guy <laughs> say something I heard him say five years ago. You know what else? You can follow it on Twitter now. It's so robust, and and it's like you're there. I was thinking it's just like. I don't watch a lot of baseball anymore. I love the Red Sox, but man, I tell you, you follow the Red Sox on Twitter. You, I mean, they are that. That's a great baseball Twitter presence right there. So you can do so much. Also, I think Yahoo Finance has done the live stream for people who are looking to watch the video. Yeah, because I've, I've talked to other analysts around here. And it's like, are you going out to Elmont? They're like, no, I'm just getting up and yeah. <laughs> watching it in my pajamas. They, they really <laughs> a lot of clips are still floating out there, so it's 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 you can go over and over and over again. So let's get to a couple of the headlines. <laughs> and first up is Kraft Heinz, which. You know, it's it's impossible to read Warren Buffett's mind, but I'm wondering <laughs> to what extent, if any, he's regretting the Kraft the participation in the Kraft Heinz because Kraft Heinz came out and said that they're going to restate their earnings for 2016 and for 2017 due to misconduct on the part of some employees. They say it's not going to be material, and I'm just going to go ahead and grant them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, it's not material. And if you look at the stock, it's not falling through the floor. So clearly. Smarter, more invested people—literally more invested people than me—are taking them at their word. Well, it's not falling through the floor anymore. I mean, like it's been an awful year to date. It's basically been cut in half. It's over been the a last horrible year. twelve months, and it's really been a horrible existence ever since the merger in 2015. So, I mean, at some point or another, that floor has to kind of set itself. But you know, I start thinking about this with Buffett, and so. There was this one point, like I don't know, years ago, where my wife kind of basically called me out on something. Is you know, sometimes you, you're, as married couples do, you, you talk with each other, and sometimes you just sort of, the words are just kind of going in one ear and out the other, and and so whenever that would happen with me, and I would say something like, oh, how about that? And eventually, my <laughs> wife figured out that how about that meant, oh, I'm not listening, and so she called me on it, and I so now I can't do that anymore. And with Buffett, it's starting to feel like whenever he's like, oh, you know, we're just going to give him the benefit of the doubt. It's kind of like he's just those words are going in one ear and out the other because he does the same thing with with Wells Fargo. Essentially, he's doing it with Kraft Heinz. He kind of tends to do that, and that's fine. He's got billions; it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But I do wonder how much this kind of grinds his gears because it it, it has been obviously an awful existence since the merger. Uh, it, it is a very Buffett-style investment. I understand his perspective when he was asked about the long-term value of this company in regard to the brands. That's kind of what he fell back on was the brands. I, I don't know that I necessarily believe that going forward, though. I think those brands are in a, in a bit of a bind. Um, I, red flags, yes, and having to restate things, 
perhaps it's nice to see they're actually get out, getting out in front of this and kind of resolving it all. But you know, I, I don't know that I'm looking at this as an investment I want to have anything to do with anyway. So let's move away from Kraft Heinz for a second. When you see a company that you own shares of come out and say, "Hey, we blew the math. We have to go back and restrate." Like, is it on a case by case basis? Because I was I was looking at this and sort of thinking through my own holdings, and thinking to myself, you know what? Depending on which company I own, if they came out and said, "Oh, we're going to restate two years worth of earnings," depending on which stock it is. I'm either rolling with it and saying, okay, you blew it, but it was lower level employees and you're on top of it. Whereas other stocks I own, I would think, boy, I don't know. This this is one more check against you. Yeah, I mean, I think it is a case by case basis, but I will say, and we talk about these companies a lot on this show. It feels like, I mean, for a while it was Bank of America, then it was Wells Fargo. So there are companies that get out there and are really. In the spotlight, and they can't get out of their own way. Facebook is another one. I mean, it seems like every week we could just have that one segment of the show where it's like, uh, you know, this week and Facebook screwing up again. And, and so, eventually, you do this week get a little, in privacy. <laughs> right. Eventually, you get a little bit tired of it, right? And so, then you have to ask yourself, is this really a company worth owning? And I think that is, again, it's a case by case thing. Um, when I look at something like a Kraft Heinz, I mean, I just don't see any kind of a competitive advantage there with the business to begin with. So, this certainly would would not be one I would just sort of gloss over. I think it'd be one more reason to probably not want to own it. So, for this next story that comes out of the annual meeting, uh, it's worth remembering that last month Elon Musk said on Tesla's earnings call that Tesla was going to be launching its own insurance product in the month of May. And not surprisingly, Warren Buffett was asked about that at the annual meeting and said point blank, it's not an easy business. Yeah. And I you know, I there are some people online today say, boy, he really called Musk out. There are other there, I you know, I don't know that I want to ascribe that to Buffett, but he you know, the most generous interpretation of what Buffett said regarding Tesla getting into the insurance business is good luck. But he did go out of his way to say, I'm not worried about them. I'm I'm more you know, because Berkshire Hathaway owns Geico. He said, "I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about Progressive." Yeah. Well, I mean, listen. Given given Elon Musk's track record of behavior, I mean, is this really someone you want to be getting your peace of mind from? Seriously? Like, I mean, you want to buy insurance from that guy? I don't think so. And I mean, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. I, listen, let me be very clear. I support what he's doing. I love his big picture thinking. I'm rooting for the guy. I, there are points in time where I feel like maybe he's just, you know, that's kind of silly. Candy, I think that was probably pretty silly. And and apparently that candy's still coming out. Insurance, <laughs> hey, listen, insurance is hard. That's why we like great, reputable insurers. It requires a lot of capital. There are a lot of regulations, and it's not easy. Um, I mean, it was it was interesting. I thought when when he was asked about this potential insurance product, and he noted that they would be writing these policies based on data. I mean, well. Duh! That's why like, all good insurance companies write their policies based on data. Like, there's an entire industry uh, that that you know that, that uh, actuaries that get out there and figure this risk out based on data. So, I mean, I, I think that when you look at what Musk is trying to do with Tesla, with SpaceX, 
Solar City somewhere in there as well. I Batteries. Mean, I, yeah, I mean, I just is, is insurance is that juice really worth the squeeze? I don't think it is. I love the back and forth. I think you've got yesterday versus tomorrow, and in Buffett and Musk, and two guys I really appreciate and, and honestly love as an investor. But but there's no question that insurance is a very difficult business to run. I'd have to believe if they were going to be writing an insurance product, it would be with another partner that actually does insurance. Um, and then, I mean, I would imagine it would be basically just for people who have a Tesla. Like, if you don't have a Tesla, I don't know why you would get insurance from them. But I mean, hey, he says a lot of stuff. What about a dating app? <laughs> why not? I feel like you know, owning a Tesla—that's a—that's a bar to clear socially and like start matching people up. Tesla owners, I—I I think they. I don't know. Well, I mean, yeah, and instead of swiping I'm to be left, helpful. sure, instead of swiping left and swiping right, like Musk, I'm sure would add a dimension. Right. Instead of that, it'd be like swipe diagonally or swipe 4D or something of of that nature. Uh, he's always throwing a, a bit of a a bit of a forward looking twist on things. So, Starbucks got a surprising promotional boost this morning. Uh, Twitter was all a buzz about Sunday night's Game of Thrones episode. That is to be expected because it's the final season of Game of Thrones. Um, what was not expected <laughs> is the fact that apparently. A cup of Starbucks coffee made its way into the episode of Game of Thrones. People were posting video of this and screen caps of this. I have to believe there's a production assistant who is in the process of getting fired today <laughs> for leaving a cup of Starbucks coffee on there. Unless uh, I don't watch Game of Thrones, maybe there was a storyline about the first Starbucks opening up in <laughs> Westeros. I don't know, but but I, that's amazing because. You hear the phrase all the time, oh, you can't buy that kind of publicity. And I would say the majority of times someone says, you can't buy that kind of publicity. If you step back and look at a given situation, no, you really can. <laughs> this is a situation where really Starbucks couldn't have bought this. I, yeah, I feel like sometimes there are situations where um, things like this are. They're not accidents. They're planned out, but they they are made to look like accidents. Um, now I, I'm not. I, I have HBO. And so you think this was not, planned? I, well, no, and that's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it actually was. I mean, I think in some cases these types of things are. It does. It does feel like this was genuinely just someone missed this. Um, now I don't watch Game of Thrones, which is fascinating because I have HBO and I and I love it. And I, for whatever reason, just never got into Game of Thrones. Um, but it strikes me that of the rabid fan bases out there, Starbucks and Game of Thrones are two very rabid fan bases. To tie these two together, I mean there is there is some serendipity here that I think is going to work out for both Entities. I don't think there is a downside for either. Now, maybe there is a production assistant out there who's who's out of a job today. I don't know. We we would just we won't even go there. But I I don't think there's really any downside to something like this happening. Not for Starbucks. I mean, no. product placement has been around for decades, and if they had gone. <laughs> so, wanted the idea to go to the producers of Game of Thrones and be like, "Here's ten million dollars. We just want a Starbucks." And of course, the producers would be like, "No, that doesn't make any sense." But, but I mean, now all of a sudden we're thinking, okay, is there some type of 
is, is there some type of, of time warp here in Game of Thrones that didn't exist that possibly now does? Is this how they continue to tell that Game of Thrones story after the end of this season? Who knows? I mean, we as the viewer or potential viewer, and I tell you, like I said, I don't watch it, but now I'm feeling like I may want to start because who knows what could develop from this? But I have to believe they're going to milk it for all it's worth. Quick shout out to Grammarly for supporting today's episode. Grammarly is a communication tool that helps people improve their writing to be mistake free, clear, and effective. They encourage everyone, even the best students, even the top professionals, to use Grammarly to do their best work and accomplish even more of their goals. They help people show their best self through writing, and it's available across platforms, including online browser extension, desktop editor, and mobile keyboard checker. It's available on multiple browsers, Chrome, Firefox, Safari. It's on platforms like iOS, Android, Windows, Mac. Their free product reviews critical spelling and grammar, but Grammarly Premium looks out for spelling, grammar plus structure, style within context, vocabulary suggestions, conciseness, readability for different occasions, uh, whether you're writing a business proposal or an essay for school, whatever. It's so easy to use. I've actually been using it. And Grammarly Free is easy to use, but Premium just gives you a lot more um, great suggestions on vocabulary, I have found, anyway. Uh, so, whether you're looking to polish up your resume or just look smarter in your emails at work, do yourself a favor, check out Grammarly. Go to grammarly.com slash fool and get 20% off your Grammarly Premium account today. That's grammarly.com slash fool for 20% off your Grammarly Premium account. By the way, belated happy birthday to our man, Ron Gross. Oh, wow. Yeah, celebrating. A little birthday this weekend. So. Was it a big number? I mean, was it a, a round number? I don't believe it, it was a round so number. So it wasn't like a special. No, I, I, I don't think he turned 70 for a couple of years. <laughs> so it was not. <laughs> Our email address is marketfoolery at fool.com. Question from Brock Briggs, who's 26 years old and just started uh, investing a year ago. Brock writes I'd like to hear about the dangers and potential long term downsides of index funds. Every book on finance I read, including several from my idolized investors, rave about index funds. Yes, they are good in the long run and provide an easy way to grow your money without spending time watching news and reading 10Ks, but it seems like they have some gaping flaws that people don't talk about. So much of the money in the market has to be dumped into these indexes that when top-level managers of the funds make moves to buy and sell, they have to do so much buying and selling that it may create unnatural spikes or dips in prices. Also, with big fund companies like Vanguard and BlackRock owning so many shares of all these companies in the indices, what happens if a company like Vanguard gains enough voting rights to make an impact on the company they own via their voting rights? Thank you for all that you do. Uh, thank you, Brock, for a very thoughtful question. What do you think? Yeah, there are a lot of different angles here. Um, and first off, let's just make sure we understand. What an index fund is, and I mean, index fund essentially is like a mutual fund, um, but it's a portfolio constructed to match or track the components of a particular financial market index. The one that we always talk about is the S and P 500, that Standard and Poor's 500 index. Um, but as you can imagine, there are many, many different indices out there. I mean, that's there. There are lots of them, and I think that his point is is true that not all 
uh, indices. Are we saying indices or indexes? I always, I'm not really sure. I kind of waffle there. I feel like it's. Uh, I want to be consistent. Though. I'm just going to go with indices. How okay. About that? All right. You know. And if I'm being pretentious, you'll, you'll tell me after we finish taping. Don't I always? Well, yeah, you do. And that's what I love about you is your honesty. <laughs> um, it, so, so we, as you can imagine, just like stocks, just like the stocks that we talk, they are not not all indices are created equal. Some some indices are. Pretty easy, pretty reliable, something like the S&P. But I mean, if you look at something like the Russell 2000, which is made up of small caps, that could be construed as being riskier because it's made up of small cap companies. Perhaps an emerging markets index would be something that would be riskier as well. So, understanding the index in which you're invested is important. But ultimately, the fund changes when the index changes, and the index changes. It's 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 typically a weighting thing, and so uh, when we talk about weighting, it's the amount that each company counts in the index. And there are a couple of different ways, a few different ways that these can be done. But if you look at the S and P, the S and P 500 index is a market capitalization weighted index versus the Dow, which is a stock price. Weighted index. You remember when Apple made it to the Dow, and then they had that split. It was like seven they, for one. Yeah, split. because they had to get that share price down to something that was a bit more in line with the rest of the companies in the index. Um, but but the point is ultimately that the main reason you see an index change is just due to the weightings, which would be a day-by-day thing based on stock price or market capitalization. And then these institutions will adjust their weightings as that happens. Now, in in regard to institutions that might gain too much or, or gain enough shares to actually have a material uh, voting impact, I mean, technically, I guess that's true. Institutions have a lot of money to throw around, um, but that's also kind of the thing: is they have a lot of money to throw around, and it needs to be thrown around to a lot of different companies. Um, and so, a couple of examples: if you look at Wells Fargo, which is just you know one of the biggest banks out there, um, Vanguard owns about seven point three percent of the shares outstanding in Wells Fargo. Uh, if you look at Boston Beer, which is considerably smaller, just a three billion dollar beer company, Vanguard owns about 8.1% of those shares outstanding. So typically they're not going to ever have enough money to plow into one of these businesses to gain any kind of a material voting uh, impact anyway. And in a lot of cases companies are designed so that large shareholders can't get in there and do that in the first place. So typically that's not really a concern, but I think he brings up a lot of very good points in that when we talk about index funds, they're not all created equal and make sure that you understand what you're really trying to get out of that index before you just start plowing money into them blindly. One more email before we wrap up from John Martin with the subject line thanks from a dad. John writes, Dear Fools, my car automatically connects to the most recent podcast. As a result, market foolery usually comes on when my kids get in the car. God, those poor kids. That's well, yeah, but they're going to be smart when they get older. <laughs> it's great that your program is clean and my 11 year old can listen. He's been listening for a few years, but recently started having interest in investing. We talk about investing, about the companies you discuss, and he even started tracking some stocks. Thank you for the programming choice to keep it clean and for giving us another conversation connection. P.S. My teenage daughters think it's stupid, so that's either an insult <laughs> or a compliment. But I'm guessing they'll have no problem accepting their inheritance that your program influences. Uh, sincerely, John. Uh, John, thank you so much. Uh, that's that's a fabulous email. That's a great story. Um, uh, to Landon, his son. Landon, thank you for listening. 
way to go. You started your investing journey much younger than I did. Yep. So you're on your way. Uh, and to Landon Sisters, I guess I would just say I get it. We're not everybody's cup of tea. So and that's okay. So thank you for putting up with this show for the benefit of your dad and your brother. Um, the other thing I'd say is there's a podcast out there for you. Whatever you're interested in, maybe you're interested in Game of Thrones. Or sports, or entertainment, or history, or politics, whatever it is, there's a podcast out there. So, uh, so go find it and uh, find your own podcast that you want to listen to. Uh, and last but not least, whenever you're ready, ladies, we're going to be here. At some point, you're going to start thinking about investing, maybe when you're in college, maybe when you get your first job. Whenever that time happens, The Motley Fool will be here and we will help you however we can. Amen. Uh, Jason Moser, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>